Welcome to the Miller to Grind podcast. Today, we are joined by Denise Maselli, soul alignment guide and intuitive life coach committed to guiding people through deep self-awareness and healing. Denise merges meditation and body-mind awareness to navigate past traumas and foster personal growth. As we discuss her transformative work and the upcoming Soul Alignment Collective, get ready for an insightful conversation on unlocking, unlocking authentic self-connection and happiness. Denise, I'm thrilled to have you with me today. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you, Sherman. It's great to be here. I'm always excited to share, uh, you know, what this work is, because I do feel that it is so needed right now in the world. There's just so much challenging us to the core that it seems like when when life is changing so much like that, that's the perfect time to really get at what's been blocking us. Right, right. Exactly. And so speaking of that, how did you embark on this journey that you're on now with Rock Your Blocks? So I, um, I'm i an educator, teacher, coach, and I had worked in K-12, absolutely love that work. And I got to a point where I started to feel this, you know, sort of the joy was not in it for me anymore. And I use this as an example to lead into it because we all do that, right? We strive for things in our life and then we get there and we go, I don't know if this is really where I'm meant to land, you know, or if this is like it, you know? And so I started to feel myself sad at going to work, sad leaving work. And I thought something bigger is at work here. And so I, I was going to walk away and I had put a lot into this career. Right. And that's often a lot of times what we do. We're just like, Oh, I, I, what else am I going to do? And, and so I began doing more deeper inner work and realizing that, you know what, there is, it's okay. I've got to follow the emotion. Mm -hmm. If you're feeling a certain emotion every single day, it's there to tell you something. It's there to tell you there is something else poking at your, you know, just poking on the shoulder and saying, you need to pay attention to this. And when we don't, that's when things tend to snowball into something bigger. So it was during that time that I, you know, I had been a, a health and wellness coach, even alongside my career in education. I just had a passion for it. I had my own journey with it. And so I thought, you know what, I'm going to move to LA and that's where everybody wants to do health and wellness. And it was fantastic. But then the pandemic came and I noticed a big shift in how my clients were approaching their nutrition, their fitness. And sometimes I work with them on one, both, you know, it was that type of a service. And all of a sudden it was like people, all of the things that had bothered them for years were starting to get in the way. And they would either get stuck at the starting gate, like they'd be like, oh, this is great. I know what my macros are. I've got a plan. I'm, you know, see you next week. And they'd come back and they'd be like, I don't know what's wrong with me. I can't get started. And what, I, so I started to see this pattern and I'm like, I know it's not the formula because the formula is there, but there's something emotional that's coming up for them. There's some kind of a block. And so it, a lot of times was leading to feeling unworthy, feeling like all of a sudden now, um, you know, a lot of women would be like, oh, I've got to, you know, say no to things. I've got to draw some boundaries. I've got to, 
take time for working out, take time for meal prep, all of these things I wasn't doing, and then feeling selfish about it or feeling, you know, guilty about taking that time for self, you know, when a lot of times, you know, many of us, but women, a lot of times because of the cultural norms, we feel like we have to take care of everyone first. Mm -hmm. And so I was seeing this more and more. And and then the pandemic, you know, was also part of the equation, right? Everything, life was changing and nobody knew what was going to happen. And so during that time, I met someone who was also a coach, just making attempts at, you know, meeting people and whatnot. And she had the, the secret, which to me was this subconscious healing method that I was looking for something myself as well, because I was like, what's going on? Is this me? Am I causing my clients not suddenly to not, you know, have the, you know, wherewithal to do the work. And um, four weeks in to practicing this and doing like a, you know, a personal journey with it. And I had done all types of traditional therapy and whatnot on these things from my past, but doing it for four weeks, I felt a huge shift in my energy. I felt and identified the emotional patterns that caused fear in me, that caused, you know, it's like uh, when people say, you know, if you start to feel in your life that, you know, it's a different job, but the same situation's coming up, it's a different relationship, but the same pattern's coming up, there's some kind of pattern that you're carrying and you're attracting that's causing that same result. So right. people will make these changes and then they'll find themselves feeling the same way. If that's the case, chances are you have some trauma that you might not even remember. And so that's kind of how it led in for me. And after four weeks, I said to her, oh my gosh, where do I sign up? This needs to become a part of the work that I do. Mm -hmm. And so <clears throat> initially I was working on blending that wellness, that fitness and health because so many people struggle with that, right? It's the lifelong thing of, especially as we get older, you know, our bodies change in how they work. And then we also make assumptions about that. And we say things about that. We give a story to things that our body says, and we don't believe it can do anything different, you know? So I began by integrating the two together. And all of a sudden, most of the time it came up to be a fear it mm -hmm. and it doesn't necessarily this is an important thing a lot of people hear the word trauma and you know they think child abuse or they think something really horrible which unfortunately some of my clients did have those kinds of struggles but it doesn't require that you even remember what it is and it doesn't even matter if you remember it you know quote unquote correctly all it takes is not feeling seen not feeling a hundred percent unconditional love between the ages of zero and seven we are so impressionable during that time and so through this process i did have a memory of a time at age four where i felt very left out of some family thing and i had no idea but there was actually a photo of me going like this like what Where's my dress for the wedding? You know, it was like this realization that that wasn't just a moment. That was something that stayed with me and feeling sort of outside the clan, outside of the accepted norms. Mm -hmm. And so it can be something as small as that 
that we can carry within us that's like a mark on our self-esteem or you know it just puts this fear in our way that says oh they're not going to see you for who you are you're not going to be accepted or you know you start to even as an entrepreneur you're like well there's so many other people doing this and you know you start to give these reasons why it won't work right and so what I've learned through, you know, beyond like I finished my certification last year and I've been doing this for a while now, what I, you know, I could because I'm a researcher, I've looked into all these people who've been writing and talking about the conscious and subconscious mind for decades now. This is, you know, we talk about it like it's new because everybody is Googling this, everybody's looking for videos on this, but that 90% of our actions are connected to things that we are not even consciously aware of. It's, it's quite mind boggling if you think mm -hmm. of it, but that's, you know, that's why it's so difficult to kind of set a goal and just go straight for it. There have been clients who've been able to do that, but they're typically in the smaller percentages, you know, right. most of the time the work would go away from the macros or the workouts and to challenges like, oh, I don't know, you know, how am I going to tell my friends that I can't go like to the bar five nights a week? <laughs> you know, it's mm -hmm. like just draw, you know, starting to see that whole idea of the boundary, drawing a boundary around something new that you want in your life wasn't so intimidating to some that it would stop them in their tracks. And they'd be like, oh, you know, I don't know how they're going to react to my boundary. You know, I just want to be you know, I don't want to cause any disruption. Mm -hmm. And so that's what led me into really finding out that, wow, there is such power in the subconscious and our conscious mind isn't even really aware of which things are coming from where. So add that in and you have a lot of confusion. And the more that I see people, you know, online talking about the level of anxiety or the level of sadness, it doesn't take very much and because I give people like a discovery call to find out what's possible. Mm -hmm. It takes just a couple minutes. And because again, this work requires that you, you don't have to remember the entire memory. It's really about identifying the primary emotion and then doing, you know, getting into a relaxed mode. So it's not hypnosis, but you certainly don't want to have like a racing brain. So we spend a few moments doing you know, either breath or some sound healing, you know, just uh, like a little bit of a talk down to get them relaxed. And then we go into just speaking directly to the subconscious mind and saying, do you see this emotion of sadness, please, you know, and let these parts of us know they don't need to hold on to this anymore. So it's based on NLP right? Mm -hmm. Neuro-linguistic programming that we can actually talk to our subconscious, but it's also based on something called family systems therapy. And Dr. Gary Flint developed it. And what he found was that we all have many parts to us. And mm -hmm. some of those parts were developed at those younger ages. And they don't know that we're now adults many years later. Right. They just know I've got to protect this person from being hurt. I've got to protect this person from, uh, you know, not receiving the love that they deserve, you know. And so this part is unconsciously there. 
And when we can identify the primary emotion that keeps it active, Mm -hmm. we can calm it and we can ask it to kind of stand down. You know, I try to make it fun and say, you know, let's ask it to sit in the back seat now that we don't need them driving the bus. We don't need, we love you. We thank you for the protection, but we're ready to move on now. And so through these subconscious commands that I learned, we go through whether it's emotions, beliefs, Sometimes it's a story we tell about it. Mm -hmm. I realized that for years I was in a relationship and my mom and I would get on the phone daily and talk about what was wrong with our relationships. And I thought, wow, how many years of life did we give that? Right. (laughs) Right. So what we what we talk about is Mm -hmm. what we are in. And so if we're talking always about the problem and we're staying in that energetic coding of that problem and we're giving it life and there might be something else within us within our inner being i call it you know whatever you believe in you know because people will tell me i believe in god that's perfectly it doesn't matter what you believe in what you what you have to understand though is it's what you're focusing on that's creating your reality and oftentimes right we don't have to look very far around us to see a lot of negativity right yeah (laughs) yeah Seriously, I've um, actually employed a tactic for myself. It's it's uh, it's kind of funny because I talk to myself out loud, and that helps me get over like you know the problems that I bring up in my head or negative situations that I bring up in my own head. So I would get in the car. I don't put on any music, any type of distractions, and I just let my mind sit. And then I talk to myself out loud as if I'm coaching myself. And then when that happens, it's kind of like, you know, it's kind of like punching yourself in the gut, like, hey, get your thoughts together. Hey, Snap no, out of we're it. not yeah. thinking about that. No, seriously, <laughs> like, that's what I do. Yes. And something Wonderful. told me, uh, you know, it was weird because something told me to do that. It's like, instead of just thinking it, speak out loud. So you actually like put it out there and you can exactly. hear yourself, you yes. know, because who knows you better than you? Exactly. And, you know, it's funny because when we are driving, you know, I use that a lot as an example to help people just visualize the subconscious. Mm -hmm. You know, when you get in the car and you drive somewhere and you're there before you even notice it, you are in subconscious mode, right? So that's a perfect time to either listen to something. You could even make a recording of yourself saying like an I am statement. And that's something that I I teach right away is that, you know, a lot of the sessions will be really about clearing away those, you know, low self-worth feelings or just not feeling seen or not feeling worthy. So a lot of it is clearing away and making space. But then before we end, we try to go to what I would call like magnetizing what you want, you know, but really a lot of people call it manifestation, but it's like, okay, now what would you like to be feeling now that, cause most of the time we'll do like a sum rating, just like if you were in therapy, like how high is your anxiety, depression? We start with that because mm-hmm. we want to move it down. We want it to be below a two, you know? And so I will assess that along the way and see how the person's feeling. Did another emotion come in? Because sometimes when there's space, sometimes another one comes in that you don't see coming. But I'll say, um, you know, what is it now that you have some space? Let's say they went from like an eight to a three. Um, what would you like to create more of in your life? 
and just allow yourself, you know, and this is again, where those self-awareness techniques, mm-hmm. you know, using, you know, part of why we were so impressionable between zero and seven is because we were living in a theta state, right? Our brains were just imagination mode. Right. You know, we thought we could get on a broom and fly. We thought we were <laughs> making tea and it was delicious. And we could mm-hmm. create these worlds of imagination. And so if we help people to see they can create a theta state, even as an adult, and, you know, some people are impacted by like a singing bowl, it's different for everyone, you know, which is why I started a channel for it that has like, you know, some are rain sounds, but I love like studying the different sounds and theta, delta, solfeggio rhythms, and how that can just that in itself you know, some people like to hear a soothing, like talk down type of a voice, which I have those on there as well. So mm-hmm. I tell people, just go and find what calls to you. I like having options. Right. Because telling someone who's never meditated. Tried that, it didn't work, you know, and not really understanding that it's a practice. And that, you know, mine has evolved over time, but it's that practice that first of all says there's something bigger than me, that I am open to learning a new way of being and new ideas. And I would say that's kind of the foundation for this work. If people come in and they're like, yeah, I don't, you know, believe in all of that woo woo stuff and I don't you know, think that I have the power to change myself. I think it needs to come from a doctor, you know, that type of a mentality. It's, you know, they'll try it, but you can just feel like, you know, I I have like an empathic sort of soul and I can just tell when there's that energy and I'm like, okay, no worries. You know, we'll address it as much as possible through the subconscious commands, but there needs to be that willingness to say, you know, I've tried so many things. So let me just go with this and see where where it leads me, you know. Yeah, it's it, yeah. I like I actually did my own singing bowl today and I also listened to nice. the Solfeggio uh frequencies today too. So I listened to that while I work to help my mood because I've also learned that when I listen to people talk, I adi- I adopt their thoughts. Or if I listen to music and people are rhyming, I'm adopting their thoughts. So now I'm like. I need to focus on my own thoughts and control them. That is such a thing. And, you know, I, I'm a Pisces and I have that tendency as well. Like I, if I'm learning something, I'm finding ways to connect it to all the other things that I know. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, okay, wait a minute, but didn't I write an article about this already? You know, because I do like to write as well. I write on medium, but I, you know, because I feel like people want knowledge in different ways. But Mm -hmm. it is to me a sign that you are a highly sensitive person if you need like to not have the voices. And so that's one of the things I had to realize over the pandemic. I, you know, being the rescuer helper, you know, because we take on those roles, even at that those young ages, I became that in my family. And it was very hard. I kept thinking, oh, I finally got over that. It keeps coming up. But Mm -hmm. when we are highly sensitive, we have a hard time sometimes letting go of how is everyone else doing before I take care of me. Mm-hmm. And I was doing that at a very young age. And I think that depending on your age and the you know family situation that you grew up with, it really doesn't matter, but it tends to be a lot of the clients that I see 
that their parents were either just emotionally unavailable, they weren't, you know, they, they didn't have good parenting, whatever the case may have been. But that young person who has the sensitivity absorbs everything that's going on and feels responsible, you know, and then once the parents kind of learn that that was possible, they're like, okay, we can count on her. And then somehow you, I end up with that role and it takes away from you being the child that you were meant to be. And so I can remember many times, like my family was, everybody had TVs, you know, which back then wasn't, you know, wasn't everybody wasn't like that, but it was like, everybody had all this noise going on. And I can remember just trying to get to my room so I could put music on or <laughs> meditate, or yeah. I was literally meditating like from such a young age that I was in a Catholic school and there are pictures of me in my uniform laying in the grass, showing the other girls how to meditate. Oh, wow. So I knew that there was something more for me, even at that age, even while I was being called to, to feel like I had to rescue, mm -hmm. I was knowing there was something else. I actually read the book I think it was George Harrison that put out the TM Transcendental Meditation book. It was a skinny mm -hmm. little book, but I was like, I read that and I was like, oh, I know how to go to that place already. So there was something that I feel was in me already to do those things. But it is so true that a lot of times through working with people, you find, wow, this is true for everyone. As I think you mentioned that we're all kind of, you know, reacting to different fears right now. But I find a lot of people who are highly sensitive are more aware of it. Mm -hmm. They're more aware of like taking on the needs of others. They're more aware of, you know, the patterns as they come up. But then the, the beautiful thing about that is you're also more aware that there is another way. You're more open to there being another way. Mm -hmm. And that's why I feel like this work right now is so important. And, you know, so, so through this process, I'm kind of developed in this soul alignment, this idea that we don't have to be out of alignment with who we are, but we do need to dig a little bit in and find those emotions that are repeating patterns, mm -hmm. you know, so I say that often it leads to people pleasing or and or imposter syndrome, because we tend to you know, be still trying to help everyone else. You know, it's like they say, when you get on the airplane, put your mask on first, but we don't do that. We take care of everyone else first. And a lot of times people will say, oh, I just, I feel so sad all the time. And a lot of times it's because they're either in a job or a relationship where there's a disconnect to who they are mm -hmm. and they are afraid to even look at it, you know? And so, it's uh, I've had people who have been in group uh, sessions with me, you know, and they'll have these insights that come to them during the session. And it's simply because we took the level of intensity of those emotions that are feel so big, right? When we feel sad or anxious, uh, overwhelmed, the racing thoughts, I hear that a lot lately. What ends up happening is that just that little bit of space, the insight is waiting for you. It's mm -hmm. waiting for you, like it's giving you all that intensity because it's telling you there's something more you're meant to be. There's mm -hmm. something more you're meant to experience in your life. And so uh, I've had people say to me, you know, they'll get in touch with me a couple months later and they're like, I left that, that high pressure sales job 
And now I'm working for a nonprofit and I'm so happy and this is the work. And, you know, I trace it all back to finding and clearing that. Like I just, I got, and when she mentioned that her job was so much pressure and she just felt never good enough in her job, I thought, oh gosh, she's found her, she's found the thing. And mm. right, so many of us, especially coming out of the pandemic, if we still had the same job, we were like, oh, we got to be grateful, you know, <laughs> that I still have this job and who knows if it's going to stay or, right. you know, because some of them went, you know, uh, virtual and some of them like, were like, that's it, no more virtual. And mm -hmm. so, you know, the idea of her even questioning that at the time was a lot. So sometimes there is an integration period, which is why I felt called to create this small group experience where we work together each week because I feel like it takes a little bit of time, especially with these bigger issues in our lives, to be open to that there is something else because mm -hmm. we do get stuck in our comfort zones, don't we? <laughs> right. Right. Yeah, we often do. And so speaking of that, I want to talk about like the the whole fear aspect because I had a conversation with a friend the other day and we thought that being fearless was like taking high risk and doing things that you weren't supposed to do without fear or going outside and this stuff going on. So it's like we I feel like I had a, a you know, a, a weird manipulation when it came to what fear really is. And now that I'm older, I'm like, no, fear is more so you not being able to be vulnerable or tell the truth or for you to be who you really are, or to say, look, this isn't for me. I need to, you know, find a different career, you know? So I'm going to go to talk about like what fear really is when it comes to, you know, the subconscious and more of an internal type of thing. Sure. sure. Yeah. I mean, I can really say honestly that most of the time, the more intense that a feeling is and persistent, mm -hmm. you know, which for me felt like, it was moving into sadness and I'm not a sad person. Like even through all like having a difficult childhood and all of that, I always held out a hope. I always looked for some new way of thinking about it, seeing it or making a change happen. And, you know, I think that I don't know why, I guess, because, you know, having those difficulties, I developed resilience, right? Where some, mm -hmm you know, may have, and, and don't get me wrong. I mean, I had my crutches that I went to even as a teen that was right. like, you know, negative behaviors that like, I, oh, I could get away with this because my parents aren't looking, you know, things like that. <laughs> we all do, we all do things like that, right? Mm -hmm. But to not allow yourself to fall completely down that rabbit hole and instead look for something else. And so I think what you, you, you said it perfectly when you said, you know, that the fear is really just, it manifests differently in each of us, but most of the time, the bottom line is there's something we know isn't right and we're not, we're afraid to deal with it. Mm -hmm. We're afraid of what it means. And if you, you know, I know I mentioned in my, uh, in my bio and a lot of my materials that I felt very impacted by a patriarchal aspect of our society. And you know, my roots are Italian and Greek. <laughs> and, you know, I've been and I'm a I'm really into history. And what I can say is when I look back at those cultures for women, whew, 
you know, you are literally <laughs> property, right? And so it wasn't that long ago. And I tell people this, you know, like in the 70s, women couldn't have their own credit cards. Like, it's not that long ago that we literally had zero rights. And, and now things are kind of moving back in that direction. But when you are raised in a family where there wasn't an expectation of going to college, there wasn't an expectation of, you know, of doing, you could do certain jobs, because there were certain women in my family that had like certain sort of low level jobs and that was okay but you were expected to marry and have children like that was just the bottom line and now looking in the history i'm going yeah i mean wow the you know women were literally expected in different parts of italian society to be married by a certain age, otherwise they would go to a nunnery like literally i mean mm -hmm. it, it's incredible to even to even speak it but I was going to be different. You know, I became the rebel teen. I was going to do things differently. And I think that what can happen in life is you sometimes when you go that far to the extreme, like I'm going to college early and they were like, what college? What are you crazy? You know, why? Like, why mm -hmm. would you do that? And I was just like, okay, I don't think you'll ever really understand, but I'm going to do it. But then the pressure came back later in my twenties. Oh, I should be getting married now, shouldn't I? And it wasn't something that I internally wanted, but I didn't realize there was still layers right. that were within me that felt like, okay, if I don't do this, what does that mean in my family? I'm already the black sheep. <laughs> I'm mm -hmm. already the rebel. I already, you know, went to college and, you know, then ended up becoming a chef and all this other stuff in my twenties. But literally just trying to chase down who I really was there was a part of it that was kind of just hidden under the surface of this fear of what will happen if I don't marry, what will happen if I don't have a child. And I met someone who was literally wounded like me. You know, I call myself sometimes a wounded healer, but he was similar. And we both like, we met and we were friends and we were like, yeah, we're never getting married, never having kids. And guess what we ended up doing? Getting married to each other and having <laughs> kids, you know? So it, you, you do things that, you know are expected of you and you don't realize where that's really coming from mm -hmm. and so like i became the maverick in getting educated and being the first person ever to go to college in my family and that was wonderful but i didn't see this other side that ended up you know taking a couple decades for me to go oh my gosh you know this is really why did i do this mm -hmm. you know and so that it's that fear and then it's like okay you know, all these people around me are saying, you know, I'm feeling like I need to get divorced, but what will people say? Mm -hmm. You know, we worry about what everyone else is going to say, how they're going to judge us. And then we become our worst critic. You know, it's that same thing where if you're not paying attention to your thoughts and what you're saying to yourself, then a lot of times it's going to default to those fears. And that's where I think the imposter syndrome is just rampant right now. And I like to bring this in with like triggering, right? Triggering mm -hmm. was not even a thing five years ago, maybe seven years ago. It wasn't even a word that was spoken unless you were like in therapy or something like that. But now everyone's triggered. Why is that rampant? It's because no one has dealt with this stuff. Right. And so... And nobody even if you have, what it really is, right? yeah, nobody knows what it really is. But like, mm -hmm. I'll use an example. There is a, uh, a, 
a medical doctor who she had been through decades of therapies, all different kinds, EMDR, like tried all types of therapies and DBT, all this stuff that, you know, has good data behind it. But she said, I just, I can't get rid of this unworthiness feeling. And after doing this subconscious healing, she said, this is the first time I feel any space within me emotionally, any space to see who I really am. And, you know, so she made a video about it because she was just like, this is, this is so deep. You know, the healing of this is so deep in this way. But if you look at how, what people do with their emotions, especially today, Mm -hmm. is we bury them, right? And we medicate, we self-medicate. And I I like to call it micro addictions because you don't have, you know, it used to be like everything was like you were uh, um, a drunk or you were, you know, or you were druggy or whatever, all the terms that we used to have. But nowadays we have micro addictions, right? We have snacking at night. We have uh, scrolling on the phone. We have Mm -hmm. shopping. Uh, You know, (laughs) I, I used to joke around about my sister boxes always hitting her door i'm like oh my gosh where do you put all this stuff you know um so we get into these patterns that are Mm self-soothing but we're not dealing with the issue we're just like soothing it just enough you know now we've got all of the legalization of a lot of things that you know on the surface you know they might be medicinal they might be helpful but if you're doing something every night to sleep Right. Or you're doing something every night because you can't calm your mind naturally, you're just creating another layer of mm-hmm. the problem, right? right? And a lot of times those people who have big fears are the ones that get triggered so easily because they're not dealing with them, mm-hmm. you know? And so the level of the triggering is, you know, there's something that reminds them of something that is very active within them that they're not even aware. And so you'll hear people talk about what triggers them and they're not really making a personal connection. They're lashing out at the people who are offending them or making them feel unseen or whatever it is. And the fact is their emotions are valid, but they're really not instead of dealing with the internal which is the scary part Mm -hmm. they lash out at the people who are saying something different than their experience or are making them feel smaller because of the way they approach a topic and not to say that people aren't you know people aren't being horrible and discriminatory and taking rights away from people who don't look like them or you know who are not you know like now it's like what is even our country like even big questions like that are coming up like what is the u.s stand for because it doesn't seem to stand for what it was supposed to be about yeah. you know yeah it, it is a lot going on yeah and then one thing um i have learned is that if you allow yourself to be triggered or or if you say you are triggered you need to figure out the root cause because you don't want people to control you like if someone could trigger you they could control you. So exactly. I, I, you know, I even do pranks on people, especially my brothers, because I know them very well. So <laughs> we would say things to each other just to get a reaction, but we know exactly what to say to get the reaction that we want. You know, mm-hmm. so last night I was like, I guarantee you, I could trigger, you know, my my younger brother. And as a kid, 
we will always watch the movie Full Metal Jacket. Like that's one of our all time favorite movies. And my brother's in the military now. So I was going to say, okay, look, I'm going to call him and I'm going to say, hey, man, have you ever seen Full Metal Jacket? And I guarantee you, he would have been like, man, you know, you know, damn well I've seen that movie. You know, come on, man. You you know this. I stop playing with me. And then I would laugh, <laughs> you know. But then it's like, I he I mean, but now he'll probably be like, come on, man. You, you come on, you playing with me. But then I've learned that you could say things and people could say things to you to get the reaction that they want. And if we are not conscious of that, we could always be controlled. Exactly. And it's so interesting that you said root cause, because I think that that really is the key to this type of work is that we don't realize that sometimes it's just a basic fear. Mm -hmm. You know, it's a basic fear of moving out of that comfort zone and, you know, but but trying to analyze it and problem solve it and uh, pick it apart. I mean, one of the, the biggest things I, you know, always tell people is, that the more you retell the story mm -hmm. of how hard this was and how you know right. uh, the painful experiences that happen it just is more of an activation and so rather than do that let's find what other feeling what other experience long ago as far mm -hmm. back as you can remember for some people it, it is something that happens in adulthood you know um, and, but what it does is trigger that old feeling of maybe not being seen or heard at that younger age. And that's where the power is. That's why it feels so debilitating to think, you know, can I let this go? Can I, um, walk away? Like, like that decision to leave that job, you know, I, I was going to walk away. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I've got student loans, I've got, you know, I've got a house, uh, you know, raise my daughter in this house and, and, and I left all of it. And, and all I can say is I didn't have those tools at that time, but there was something calling me that said there is something you're supposed to be doing that you can't do both. You know, you can't have it both ways. Like it, it's wonderful that you did all of this, but it's clearly not feeding your soul. You know, and my daughter was struggling at that time as well. And so it just was like, I've got to just, I've got to go with this and see where it takes me. And it, it had days of fear. It had moments of fear, but it's often those times when the fear is the greatest, that it is truly the sign that staying where you are is mm -hmm. actually the thing that will keep you stuck in you know, whatever pattern that particular, you know, person is struggling with. Right. And I've also, I tell people all the time, there's no successful person ever in the history of the world. Cause I, I'm big on autobiographies or learning about successful people and yes. they have struggled. You know, they moved back in with their parents. They were broke. They went bankrupt. They were, you know, poor for about three years straight. And then they just, you know, so they just persevered. And next thing you know, they hit their big break. So I tell people all the time, we think that, oh, we're stressed. Like, this is a part of the process for the greater good. If you only read Shoe Dog in, you know, uh, the book about Phil Knight and his struggles with starting Nike, you'll say, man, I, I was actually quite surprised. Like, I'm surprised he didn't quit a long time ago. Like he just kept going, kept going. Jeff Bezos kept going, kept going. Like all of these 
uber mm-hmm. successful people. And so I, you know, it, it it's just a, it's just a testament of fear. They were fearless. They didn't yeah. care what came their way. And we yeah. cannot let fear stop us from our purpose or from our calling and what we're supposed to do on this earth, because, you know, it's, it's easy to assimilate, but it's hard to go out of that and be like, okay, I'm gonna go with my purpose and my calling. Yes. And I think it's important to, in relation to, you know, um, always like, you know, a lot of people feel this when they have like a, you know, set job and a paycheck. And uh, so many people have gone through this, I'm sure, because look at the numbers of entrepreneurs, right? But when you are being called, like you said, to something different, Mm-hmm. And the calling is so great. You you just have to you have to pay attention to it, right. right? And and like for me, it was I started while I still had that, and so I already had the sense of like you know because really what happened was that uh, in my thirties when I got my master's degree in education, I said that's it. I'm taking care of my physical health now because it's clearly not where it needs to be. And I made that decision and started with five minutes a day, sitting on a, a, a you know, a bike and <laughs> doing Jane Fonda uh, uh, VHS tapes. And, and I just started small and I literally changed my entire health. And I didn't do it with any pills or, you know, promises. I just started moving. And I eventually got a personal trainer Mm-hmm. And I worked out with him and he was like, D, you are so good at this. You do what I say. You practice what you preach. You should do this. And I went, okay. <laughs> right. And I never would have thought I was going to do that, but I loved it. And I still like to this day, it changed my life. I am half the person that I used to be literally. And I, and I had such a a story that I, you know, as I'm doing this full-time career, I had people come to me and going, wait a second, what did you do? You look amazing. You know? And so I, I literally didn't, you know, how people say, oh, you have to have a business plan. I literally just had people coming to me and saying, show me the secret sauce, like what you did. And I was Mm -hmm. like, you just got to start with movement. It's your body is dying to move. And -hmm. if you're not moving it, things are going to go on a trajectory of not moving. It's really not about your age. It's Mm -hmm. about how you look at those messages. So what's really ironic is full circle. Now I have people coming to me for subconscious healing about their health because they've told themselves such stories like, oh, that diet is the best one for me. I am going to be vegan, for example. That's a good mm-hmm. example. And their health is a mess. And But they have these beliefs about it has to be this diet for me. You know, and so, and they're like, you know what? I've tried everything else. Can I work with you on this issue? And let's see what comes up. And a lot of time what comes up is they're so addicted to the story that mm-hmm. they're not listening to their body. Your body's saying, I don't like what you're giving me, but you're continuing to give it because of something up here in the in the right. ego mind that has latched onto a belief. And a lot of times what that ends up being. So, so, you know, I will work with people on whatever it is. And I say this, like, if you don't connect with people pleasing or imposter syndrome, guaranteed there's something in your life that's a pattern you're not happy with. 
So bring that in and focus on whatever it is that you want to get to the root of and neutralize so you can make room for something new. But I've had people be like, you know, I was, for example, taking the same uh, food for the last 10 years, taking the same vitamins for the last 10 years and getting no results and telling me on the discovery call, I don't want to change anything. And I'm like, (laughs) okay, all righty. You know, like maybe give me a call back when you're ready to look at change. Because if you, you know, what is that definition of insanity? Doing the same thing and expecting a different result. And a lot of people don't realize they're caught in that. It's like they want to be right more than they want to really know the root. They want to have their ego mind be right. And, you know, and the fact of the matter is I respect whatever diet that you choose. I just go by, you know, let's look at what you're doing and how it feels. And then I will tell you based on my experience of working with so many different bodies and different ages and all of that, a lot of what we've been told is not true. Mm -hmm. aging is not degradation but if every time you get up and you feel a stiffness you call it something else oh this is my body quitting on me what's gonna happen this is your body saying you need to stretch more right or maybe the next time you do kickboxing you need to like think about how far up you're trying to get your leg into the (laughs) air you know so you know you need to listen to it without the judgment coming in. And I think that's another way that fear gets us, right? Is that Mm -hmm. we get stuck to our stories. So that's also part of this, this being in this longer term collective as we go through, like, what are your storylines that you don't realize that you've been stuck to for so long? And they might've even been generational storylines. Like you have brothers, right? So you can see that there are certain generational things within your family that are being played out. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I see that within my family. It's very, it's like very similar struggles and they are connected to things that you would say on the surface, like, no, we don't really believe that, but it is in our DNA. And so unless we can like make friends with it and say, like I was saying before, you know, talk to the parts. A lot of times it's a younger part of us that really by now is so strong in trying to Mm self-protect that it's maybe protecting us with these stories that that it you know wants to believe are protecting us but really it's stopping that growth it's creating more fear Mm -hmm. is what it is and so that family systems therapy they base all of their work on parts and that's what this guy who created this dr gary flint is so fascinating he's written several books about it because he combines the best of neuro-linguistic you know the i am statements but also just speaking to the subconscious and he combines that with this parts work which of course if we're human beings and we've got like 10 different parts right the rescuer the you know, the, um, the wounded healer, whatever you want to call it, there's a lot of different archetypal names for the patterns we take on. But if we are human beings trying to function and get somewhere in our lives, and we've got all these parts with different goals, it makes sense that having things change would be a big struggle for us. And I think that's why right now, with life changing, you know, we've got AI, we've got you know, jobs that are coming about that never existed. We've got jobs going away. Mm -hmm. So literally it's breaking people down to have to confront these things 
And, you know, and that's what I find is it's usually work or relationship related, but sometimes what comes up, it really impacts both. And being afraid of, you know, for women, being afraid of taking care of oneself is a pattern in my family DNA going back. Very poor family, uneducated. And so when you have that husband, it's like, okay, I've got to do everything that I need to do to keep this husband rather than it being about growing together and learning together. It's more about, okay, I've got to do certain things because it's expected of me and I need that security. And, you know, as a person who always felt independent Mm -hmm. for me to fall back into that, I was like, wow, I did not realize the generational power of that in my life. You know, how much that our family patterns go back and back and back and they are in us and create that fear of, of something different, you know, of trying to, you know, listen to our hearts, to align with our soul and become something that is calling us. And like I said, that's why the emotion of it all is really the key. So even within, you know, being a solopreneur, as I'm sure, you know, you are as well, it's like, if we drive ourselves so hard, is the work really meaningful? And so even within business, we can take a lesson from, what would it be great to get accomplished today? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and how can I stay feeling good while doing that and know when it's time to stop? Right. You know, when, when things are happening with the tech or, you know, that, that sometimes the best thing is to put it to sleep and go out and take a walk go to the better feeling choice and then something's going to come and something is going to be like, Oh, I need to get rid of that web provider. I need to, you know, there is, there's an answer that comes to you, but we are been taught that the best way is to force and to push and to consciously keep problem solving. And then we get mired in that muck. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's a, that's actually in my DNA. You know, my dad was in the military grandfather, my Mm. military history goes all the way back, you know, so to the American revolutionary war. So within my DNA is like, go get it, go finish it, handle it, get it done. But then I started to notice that a lot of stuff that I was doing was rushed and I made Mm. a lot of mistakes. So now it's like, Cause you know, when you're in the military, it doesn't matter how you feel. It's just get the work done. Do it. Yeah. Right. Just, just do it. I don't care if you're tired, sleepy, whatever, get it done. But then I've noticed that I've had to, you know, my mind had to be in a certain place to handle certain things. So when I'm doing a design or whatever, I'm like, Hey, if your mind isn't in a designing or creative type of place, don't do it. Cause you're going to make a mistake. You know, don't make any decisions, critical decisions when you're feeling, you know, sad or tired or hungry or worn out or whatever. Make sure your mind is in a different place before you make a decision, you know, about these certain things. And so more so instead of me, you know, being a victim of circumstances, like you have to take control of this, of, you know, your life and your situations. So it's yeah, it's funny that you say that because it it's a honestly it just happened within like the past couple months. Like well, I did a I did a design and I put it out there. You know, I did it and I was like, okay, I'm gonna put it out. Boom. 
And then one of my friends called me. He was like, hey, man, you need to slow down because you're not even noticing certain mistakes that you're you're making. You know, like, look at this. Look, And then I, when I looked at it again, I was like, oh, my God, I can't believe I did that. But I was just so gun ho on like, let's let's rush, let's force, let's go. Then I'm like, no, for this type of thing, you can't adopt that mentality. But when you're in the gym, you could adopt that mentality. Like you could keep it in the on the back burner, but it's not for everything. You know, like we could take certain things that we've grown up with, that we've learned, that, you know, we picked up along the way and just compartmentalize them for certain things. But I say for me, when I um I just wrote a book and I was like, okay, oh, it's wow. fine. But then one thing, one thing I did that I'm proud of myself of doing, I was like, okay, finish it. Don't look at it for a week and then read it because your perspective now is that it's good, but then no telling how you're going to feel a week later when you read it. And I did that. And I was like, oh my God, I have to input this. I have to change this. I have to change that. But my mind was in a different setting. You know, when I was like, okay, now's the time to read. You got it done. Now read it. And I probably rewrote it or changed so many things from like the original draft that it's a totally different book now. But I wasn't like, I say like probably a year ago, I probably would have wrote it and just like, all right, put it out. We're done. You know? So. Right. It's, it's being able to slow down. In fact, I have a, a, you know, I do these sticky notes still, but I have this big sticky note that says slow down right in front of my, right above my camera, because I am like that. Like for a while (laughs) I was really into stoicism Mm. and I could see why that developed and became so popular, but the fact is that can be used against yourself. You know, it's like, you know, even working out and doing, you know, really difficult workouts, which I absolutely love to do. But then I would, and I was teaching like hit classes three times a week and I was doing my own workouts and I started to get like a chronic feeling in my right arm, which is my stronger arm. And I was like, you know, I, I kept saying, oh, it must have been the COVID shot or, oh, it must have been this. Like I kept giving it and assigning it a reason. Mm-hmm. And then I started to, you know, do more of my subconscious healing around it, trying to figure out what was really going on. Because clearly what I was saying it was, was not accurate because it was persistent. And I hadn't had anything like that. So I was like, I know I didn't do it, you know, have a break or anything like that. It doesn't feel like a sprain. Well, needless to say, I came to the conclusion that I wasn't supposed to teach that class anymore because I need different things now. Like I need to really focus on muscle building. I need to focus on a certain amount of of steps every day to maintain the level of health as I age, right? Mm -hmm. And I realized that creating and teaching these classes, I wasn't just teaching, I was doing the whole class with them Mm -hmm. and they loved it and it was fun. But then doing that plus my own custom workouts my body was like, time out. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I said, you know, so what I did, and this is, again, that idea of like, when it's time to let something go, I think we struggle with the most because we feel like we should. Mm-hmm. Um, I told myself what, uh, you know, all my gals who are in the class, they love me and I love seeing them. And it was all true. But the bottom line was it wasn't good for my body anymore. And so I, I told, you know, I was doing it through a studio and I said, you know, I, I need to take some time off and, and think this through and I just need a break. It had been, I started it during the pandemic and I was doing it through last year and I, well, earlier this year actually, and 
during that time off, more and more clarity came. Mm -hmm. As I began to do, first of all, recover the, the ache that was in this arm, which literally felt like, you know, when you get a feeling in a certain body part where it feels like, where's the strength? Like I could still move it, but it was like, the strength is not there. Like my left arm was taking over. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that went away when I stopped teaching. Mm. Listening to my body, taking extra stretch time, and then slowly moving into the the weights and the workout that I knew I was capable of. It's fine. Yeah. But it's like if we don't listen sometimes to what's in our heart, what's in our soul, the body has a way of telling us in another way. Right. And I do believe and I I do believe this. And I I talk a lot about Bruce Lipton, who's a cell biologist who was talking about the fact that our our cells have consciousness in 1967. So this, like I said, is nothing new. But his book called The Biology of Belief, I highly recommend it. It's an easy read. In fact, you can get it like free online now. But he's got he's been getting interviewed a lot. He's still around. He's getting interviewed on YouTube about this as well. So check him out. Mm -hmm. But he literally says that (laughs) our cells Mm -hmm. are have consciousness and what we are telling ourselves about the sensations in our body are becoming a reality so i look at people who you know have chronic conditions especially like Mm -hmm. autoimmune things that didn't exist before especially being an educator Mm -hmm. we didn't have add labels we didn't have all these labels for kids right what is that is it that we just want kids to be a certain way and we don't want them to be in that theta state where they're so creative and no we want them to sit in their seat and we want them to you know we uh, we have placed all these expectations on you know cultural expectations on them for how to behave and called everything else a diagnosis yeah so i mean he basically looks at it that way and says that you know we are able to and he's done a ton with stem cells he was basically responsible for the beginning of the whole epigenetic movement that you know the amount of what people will say oh you know there's this cancer in my family that and whatever Mm -hmm. he's like that accounts for maybe three percent what really accounts for somebody getting those diseases is worrying about it and planting the seed that because my grandmother had this, I'm much more likely to have it. Yeah. You know, and so looking at people with especially chronic things like that or intense things that come on, typically they've been unhappy for a long time and now their body is screaming it out to them as well. And sometimes that isn't enough for them to stop and change. The fear has taken over the body. Mm-hmm. So it's just amazing what is truly possible with this kind of work when you go deeper, which is why, again, that's, you know, the power of what our subconscious mind can do if we pair it with self-awareness techniques, you know, like you have found what works for you in the sound healing. I'm the same way. I used to love to hear, you know, I tell people this, it evolves over time. I used to love listening to a soothing voice, you know, talk to me for sleep, for example, mm-hmm. or, you know, I would just go on my app. I've been on insight timer when it was actually just a timer. And so now I produce audio for them as well, but I go on there and I just want to hear the soothing sounds because then I can go deeper within, but that's not a beginner 
thing. So I tell people, right. whatever works for you, listen to it and quiet your mind, whatever way that you can. Mm-hmm. And then um, just one uh, other point I'll make around that is we hold those things at the cellular level, but in the body, just like my arm, my right arm, right? Your right arm, that's your power was mm-hmm. saying, I'm quitting because you're not listening to me. <laughs> I'm going to go weaker than the left side until you stop telling stories about what this is and mm-hmm. actually realize that what you need is to focus on your own workout plan now. And if people want to work with me on nutrition, I love to do it. I have a, a, a strong history of helping people reverse diabetes naturally. Mm-hmm. I will help people get off of medication because once again, they've placed all their hopes and dreams on a pill right. and they haven't seen that they can do something naturally with as much power. And, you know, it's just incredible to have people be like, oh my gosh, it was really about what I was taking in and not seeing, you know, it's just that we develop, you know, they say that beliefs are just repeated thoughts. If you keep telling yourself that, for example, eating meat is evil, Mm-hmm. You are going to believe that down to your DNA, you know, right. and so, um, but to me, the, the, the proof is in the pudding. What is your body telling you? Is your body waking up feeling good? Is your body, you know, chronically ill? There's something that you're not paying attention to. Yeah. Sometimes your body could connect with you, you know, with your mind, like, Hey, you need to take this or, Hey, you need to eat something sweet. Hey, that's too salty. You don't need that anymore. Hey, there's too much. That's too many sweets. You know, it's just the way my body connects to my mind is kind of surreal. I'm like, okay, um, maybe I need some turmeric right now, or, okay, maybe I need to drink something hot or maybe I need this, or maybe I need that. But when we lower the ego and we actually listen, we're able to hear a lot more because I'm the go, go, go type of guy. And a couple of weeks ago, I was like, you know what? I'm just taking an entire week off because my joints are hurting. You know, I don't feel, you know, I'm not excited anymore. I'm just going to take a week off and rest. And some people are like, what? A week? I'm like, this is what I need for me. Yes. You know? like, it's not and about it's... your conditioning. It's my conditioning, you know? Exactly. And it's yeah. that, you know, that ability to know that you don't need to turn to the fear of it, right? That, right. that you know, you got plenty of people around you saying, oh, weak, you know, but there have been times like that where it's like, it isn't wise to work your muscles in certain conditions, you know? Mm-hmm. And so if you do that, it's good. They're going to speak back to you and let you know. And so there is a good, there is a timing for rest, you know, right. but I was into it, the level of like, you know, certain weeks doing, you know, uh, unilateral work. And, you know, I, I really, I mean, I've got literally my living room has been my gym for <laughs> quite some time, you know, but it's, it's knowing that not every week is go hard and, you know, right. and do AMRAPs and, and not every week is that it's, it's cycling and listening to the body that is going to take you further. Mm-hmm. And, and also that integration of, the more alignment that you're in with your inner being, the more that you will give your body what it needs. So Mm -hmm. I plan to break all of those records of, you know, what they say you can't do, you know, there's a saying out there that your metabolism weakens as you get older. That's a bunch of crap. What it is, is you can't eat the same things that you ate when you were younger, right? right? I mean, when I was younger, uh, everything was food coloring and, you know, there was no, (laughs) 
-hmm. filter on everything and we were fine you know what i'm saying so Mm -hmm. it's like it, it becomes knowledge being the power and the ability to say no is really combating all of the different fears of what are people around us going to say our best friends are you know because you know they're not doing it intentionally but they know what we want in our lives and so if we if we veer off from that they're out they're right there getting right. ready to tell us you know you should be doing it this way you should be doing it that way mm-hmm. and one thing that this work has really taught me is that it is all internal work you know, if we are looking for happiness from outside of ourselves, we, we've missed the mark that we really have everything that we need. Mm-hmm. And, and when you have that mentality, boy, you look at relationships, work, everything differently, and you draw in, frankly, people who are doing the same. Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, to me, that old style of like, you know, even the mentality, the cultural mentality, I mean, it blows my mind that there are still cultures that like arrange marriage and you have no say in who you're going to be with and things like that. Like it's that still exists in in the world that we live in. So we've got to look at that and be like all of the work is internal. And then what we put out there is so much more authentically who we are than the things that we're supposed to become, Mm -hmm. the relationships we're supposed to have, just like, you know, beginning to do podcasts for me has been such a powerful process because it's a co-creation having the conversations Mm -hmm. and the perspectives of the people that invite me and it inspired me, you know, when you said you wrote a book, I'm like, congratulations. I started writing a book since I've been a podcast guest because I'm like, I'll listen back, you know, to the recording and I'm like, wow, look at you. Look <laughs> yeah. at how much you know. And, you know, we don't give ourselves the credit because we're taught we have to be humble. We mm-hmm. have to be. But the fact is, we're all here for a purpose. And if you can truly uncover that, then the world needs to to know what that is. Find your way of getting that out there, you know? So I thought about doing a podcast and I thought, no, I I really get excited at this idea of writing a book. So I've drafted out several chapters now mm-hmm. and it's been a little bit and I've got to go back to it because I have written some more articles and done some more interviews again. I'll go back and listen to them and I realize something else that needs right. to go in the book, right. you know, so <laughs> yeah. it's, it's a co-creative process mm-hmm. in life. And when we put, we give that power outside of ourselves, when we give into fear, when we give into external expectations of what right. we're supposed to do in our life is when, you know, that we have no power and that's where those chronic, you know, anxieties and overwhelm and sadness and things can really set in. Right. Yeah, uh, that's true. Because doing podcasts, I, I look at it as like a form of therapy for me now, you know, like talking to all of these different people from all walks of life. I mean, I had a podcast where the guy inspired me to write a book and I was like, oh, OK, well, See? let's get it done. You know, but it's very is I like it because you could talk to like minded individuals or individuals that are high performance. And when yes. you're getting insight from them and, you know, asking them questions that you want to hear, you know, and then 
maybe the world will like it. So it's like, I'm interviewing you for me, but then anyone listening could also take from it as well. You know? Yes. So that's, that's one thing I really enjoy about it. And it might be in my DNA. My grandfather also was a radio host. So oh, yeah, he neat. interviewed a lot of people back in Chicago. So I feel like it's something that, you know, I'm, I'm very comfortable with. And people are like, what, you just started? I'm like, yeah, you're probably like my third, fourth person. They're just so surprised, you know? But I Yeah, you do I seem very comfortable with it. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> it's been, it's been, a, been a process, but we're here. So, yeah, Denise, so where could people find you if they want to reach to you? Um, you know, give us your website, social media, stuff like that. Yeah, just, um, yeah, so I have, um, go to Rock Your Blocks. The links are there to everything. There's a link to my uh, webinar replay about the Soul Alignment Collective, which is the course that I'm starting this month. And uh, I'll probably just run that once or twice a year. It's a four-month small group exclusive uh, coaching experience where each week there's subconscious healing but we frame it around what are the emotions what are the beliefs what are the storylines so we go into all the different areas of the mind and um so links to that there and then my socials same thing rock your blocks but there are links inside of there as well and you can also just uh sign up for updates and i'll send you uh you know emails on any new youtube videos that i have on my channel any new articles that i publish on medium so i really try to you know just put a lot of different formats out there because i realize not everybody is going to read articles some people want to hear the video so i try to um you know keep people updated and you can also get a free guide to subconscious healing, which has links to people who have had great breakthroughs with it, as well as, you know, what it's been used to help people with. Mm -hmm. So that is also available. So lots of good stuff. And um, yeah, thank you is so it, much. It, oh, no problem. Is it rockyourblocks.com? Yes. Okay. Rockyourblocks.com. And blocks is like roadblocks, right? <laughs> exactly. It's like, what is keeping you from really knowing who you are and then aligning with it? You know, your emotions, your thoughts, your behaviors. Mm -hmm. And there is nothing like the power of that to right. really, you know, anytime, you know, life is always going to give us the contrast and show us, you know, okay, it could go down that negative thought path. But when you see it and you can slow it down, they say if like you can slow it down within 16 seconds, you're good. But mm -hmm. if you let it go any longer than that, you've got to go meditate or go take a nap or something because yeah. that's how powerful those, you know, those negative uh, sort of thought paths can be. Oh, yeah. I used to let those control me. I could be mad for an entire day. And but but that's also a learned behavior. Like, you know, I'll see people right. get mad at something and they'll bring it up and bring it up and bring it up, bring it up the next day, bring it up the next day. And it's just like, come on, man. Like, this is a new, like, do we have something else yeah. to talk about? Like, why do we always have to converse on a negative standpoint? So trust me, I I I get it. Like that's that's actually a very, you know, it's a very sought out, it should be a very sought out skill, you know. So because it is not easy to do that. <laughs> it isn't. And it is so important what we allow in to, uh -huh. and this is a final thought, is if we're constantly listening to everything bad that's happening, 
we can't help but internalize that. And especially the more highly sensitive or empathic that you are. Mm-hmm. I I did that to myself in the beginning of the pandemic. I was obsessed with all the information coming out. And I realized like, oh my gosh, my sleep is suffering. Like I'm yeah. having over, you know, just racing thoughts. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I say that everybody is either on one end of the spectrum or the other. They're either prone to sadness, which to me is um, feeling sad about the past, or they're prone to anxiety, which is that future worry thing. And I think I'm more prone toward the future worry, but I think it's really a continuum and that each of us, our personality tends to go one way or the other, you know, Um, and, and either way, it's an imbalance, right? It's us Mm -hmm. not really wanting to face something that is frightening in some way, but. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Okay. Well, Hey, Denise, um, thank you so much for, Joining the Militant Grind podcast, this has been amazing. I'm sure we all have a wealth of knowledge to uncover and discover based off of this podcast alone. Um, definitely going to check out the book, uh, The Biology of Belief by Bruce Lipton. I, I do feel like that is like absolutely true. And that's why, you know, we have to control our thoughts when we think about ourselves. And I really appreciate mm-hmm. you you know, having this as a forefront of your mission is like getting into the subconscious mind um, and attacking those roadblocks, you know? So thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you. It was my pleasure. All right. Great to meet you. Likewise.